0: Yo, yo, what's good? This is the Brokenness to Faith prod-cast, Pro- podcast. Podcast, not podcast. I was about to say project. It so. was just such a good service we had tonight that I'm just. Was it? Yeah. Not, not the one you were in.
1: Yeah, no, I was doing the youth. So
0: we got. If you heard another you know, voice here, um, Noah's just a little sick tonight. <laughs> yeah. No, um, tonight we got a special guest. We got um, Shane. And we got, as typical, my man Noah. That's right. Um, you can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, blah blah blah. Who cares if you already do? You already brokenness do.
1: Brokenness underscore faith or brokenness underscore two faith.
2: Brokenness underscore two underscore, underscore two. faith. So Jay. it's it's no, evident. That's just the I don't know how I reached. It, 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 <laughs> it.
0: It's evident that your family doesn't. Uh, allow you to use any okay. type of social media, oh, even though you're, at, like, 19.
1: We're here at the Prodcast, and we're going to prod um, your brain with
2: some <laughs> There questions. you go. Good tying. in um, Yeah. Uh, well, so, well, quickly. Yes. Um, yeah, quickly, yeah. Did
0: Shane figure out a ride home yet, or no?
2: Uh, we'll figure that out later.
0: Because he can keep saying his <laughs> jokes. Story. It just might be harder to find a ride home.
1: <laughs> yeah. Funny we'll story. Get I'm trying to get my permit, and I thought I scheduled it for today, so we drove over to the Palm Desert DMV to find out it's closed Saturday and Sunday. Oof. And I look back at my calendar, and if I would have just looked at my calendar before we drove half an hour, I would have seen that we actually scheduled it for yesterday. Oof. So uh, I still need to take my test. And when I do, I will not be driving without my parents in the car at all.
2: Nice. Was there any, is there any fees or anything for missing um, your appointment? I don't think so, but probably just the headache of having to deal with the DMV. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, we're not Some talking were about... Sorry of you are busy recording our podcast. Sorry yeah. <laughs> um, so, we're, we're doing another uh, listener-submitted question. We did one our last episode, which was our Christmas episode. Um, Yippee! <laughs> so, we're doing another one from a anonymous listener. So, shout out to whoever that is. Thank you for submitting your questions. Um, if you would like to submit a... An uh, idea for a, a podcast, something you want us to talk about, you can do that at our email.
0: An idea for a whole new podcast. Or yeah, just something completely new. We'll just start something new and, yeah. and regain our 10 listeners.
2: <laughs> um, or if you have any other comments, questions, concerns, you can always email us because like we say every time I do read it. He does. Um, I don't. Yeah, Mark doesn't read it. I him. check I the do.
0: Instagram. He checks the email. I'm still awesome.
2: <laughs> there you go. Um, there you go. So, here is the question that was submitted, and we will share our thoughts and talk about it accordingly. Um, Jesus was known for associating with tax collectors, prostitutes, and other spiritually lost people. How far should we follow his example? In what instances, if any, do we draw the line? Uh, thank you, listener, for that question. I, I want to start. Um, sure, go for it.
0: Because we have a guest, I'm going to keep. Yeah. My stuff brief, we'll see how good that goes over. Yeah. Me and Noah are also hungry and places close, although they close later on, on Saturdays, but still. That's true. Um, yeah, we're recording so, this
2: at about Don't do that. Matt hates that <laughs> It requires about eight thirty at night, so uh we're all pretty hungry. <laughs> it's
0: actually eight nineteen. Oh I'm sorry, eight nineteen. We're we're trying to get somewhere by so, eight yeah. thirty. So here's what I would say first off, like um when we're talking about Jesus hung out with certain types of people, you know, and we look at some of these people today, um, a few questions that need to be asked are, well, when are you hanging out with them? So, like, if it's a prostitute, are you hanging out with them because you made that exchange and you're hanging out with them? Or, you know, somehow you know about it, but you're their daytime co-worker at right. the grocery store or something, and you sit together on your lunch break. Or they're your friend and you take them out to eat. You know, if um, someone who's a drunk and you maybe used to drink a lot, you know, are you going to hang out with them when they invite you to the bar? You probably shouldn't. Right. But if if they're like, hey, we're let's go, we're going to go here and it's more of like a fast food place, sure. But it, it also comes down to the next thing I want to say is not just when. You know, or where you're going and when, but um, where are you at in your faith before you do that? We have to remember Jesus at this point in time, this was during his three years. Was it three years of ministry? Yeah, three. So during that time, this was when he was in his mature state. I know he was all perfect and all that stuff. But if I if I had a struggle, and and I was just talking about this with, I think it was you guys earlier. Yeah. Um, there was this lady who used to be a porn star. She came to meet the Lord, then she helped start, or she took over, it was one or the other, this ministry called XXX Church, three X's, church, XXX Church, she gets married to a guy who saved himself for marriage, she obviously didn't, because she's an adult film star, and um, they gave their lives, they both at some point gave their lives to the Lord, they got ordained to the church they were they were serving under, and had this ministry, what they do, part of their ministry, is they go to adult film conventions. Right. Places where you're going to see the adult film stars, the porn stars. Where you're going to see all these things at these convention centers or hotels, wherever they have them. And you're going to see a ton of booths full of these men and women actors and actresses, and whatever you want to call them, and they're signing you know, pictures for people and photographs and half-naked pictures and people walking around half-naked how could you be there? Well, this lady used to be in that lifestyle. She got away from it. God saved her life. God changed her husband's life at some point before they were married. Right. you know they got ordained, and this is their ministry, so they go there. They have men and women helpers that go there. They set up a booth there. they hand out water and food to people. They let you know the people in that industry know, hey, you can get out there's a way out. Jesus loves you, and they let the the people at the convention. Who are just attending? They let them know that Jesus loves them. Now, if I was someone who struggled with premarital sex and porn, and I'm like, God, you are so good, and all this, and I've been free from it for like a week, right. that's that's great. Let's take it day by day. But if I got invited tomorrow to like, hey, you ever thought about helping out with that? I would be like, well, the wise thing to be would be is not right now, because I'm still getting away from that. And you're triggered a lot easier the closer you are from your like recovery. Right. If you're one day sober from alcohol, someone you know drinking next to you, you know you know whatever, like you're at dinner somewhere and someone at the next table is drinking, that might trigger you. But if you've been sober for a year, two years, three years, that might have less of an effect, especially if you're rooted in God and you're pursuing him. So I think one thing is where are you at in your recovery before you hang out with these people in certain settings? Can we still hang out with the porn star, or the prostitute? Sure. But when we're young in our recovery, if that's an area of recovery we are in, then we should be careful and show wisdom when we hang out with them. You know? And if it's it's someone who's an alcoholic, we should be careful when we hang out. Now if you've been forty years sober or maybe ten years sober and they go to they want to go out to eat and it's like a bar and restaurant, like an Applebee's. You might feel comfortable knowing your faith at this point. Hey, I can go. Or maybe it's your friend and his wife and you and your wife. Right. And it's a group saying, So then you have this extra accountability with your wife there or your husband there. But it should be, when are you going to hang out with them? You know, Where is it going to be at? And how far along in your recovery are you? I think the Christian world today likes to point, oh, you're hanging out with so-and-so. Mm. And they do it even... Jesus say would even think it's silly because people point the finger. You're hanging out with that Democrat. You're hanging out with that Republican, or you know who was. I'm not a big fan of Ellen DeGeneres. Years ago on her show, she'd always preach about we need to be kind to people. We need to be kind. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, kindness. And then there was a day where there was a picture taken of her at a baseball game sitting next to George Bush. Right. I don't know if he was president time or just left office. Yeah, it's probably been after. But But she got all this backlash for it. And they didn't necessarily plan it. They just, celebrities usually get good seats. And good seats usually means there's a chance you're sitting next to a celebrity. (laughs) And then she went on her show like a little bit after and said, look, she didn't backtrack or anything. She said, look, if I preach kindness to everybody, that means even people I disagree with. Now, I don't agree with her views, but I agreed with that right there. Yeah. You know, and so you can sit with someone, you can talk with someone, but if they are about to be in the act of doing like pornography, I'm not gonna be on set when they're there yeah. doing that. You know. I'm not gonna be at that party when that guy's getting drunk. Now, if I've been sober long enough and he needs a ride home and he calls me, that's you know, that's different. But where are you at in your recovery? If if you're if that's even applicable, maybe you never were drunk, maybe you don't have an issue with sex and porn per se. Where are you at and when and where are you meeting with them and hanging out with them? And show wisdom and guidance and prayer and be intentional with those questions and then you can better because we're supposed to reach them. Right. And you can't say, Oh well, I can't hang out with them. Okay, so then what do you just you have that biblical belief that God will deal with them and then God will hopefully say no. He uses us as vessels to reach them. Mm-hmm.
1: Drop the mic. <laughs> What's up, Shane? Shane you got show thoughts. us what you got. Yeah, Go there's it. a couple things off kind of off of that. I liked what you were talking about, like, it doesn't, when we're, the question is asking like, um, to where do you draw the line or whatever? Like, I think it's a good point that you never really need to draw the line. I think there might be a couple of scenarios like Mark was talking about where you don't, you might need to draw the line with who it is, like as far as personnel, the person you are trying to reach, you never, you know, you shouldn't draw the line with that like, oh, I shouldn't. Um, try to reach that person that person can go you know die go to hell that's like never an option you always want to reach everyone right. um, but like Mark was saying like if your your friend is also if you're struggling with alcoholism and your friend's also struggling with that you know you have to limit where and when and how you do that how you reach them but I think it was good when you're talking about like Democrats Republicans doesn't matter what nation you're from. And uh, we were talking about Keith Green earlier. There's a Keith Green quote where he said one time, um, God is not an American. He's not even a Republican. He loves <laughs> ev- everyone in the entire world. Right. So it's like <laughs> everyone in the entire world needs, needs Jesus. And so I guess we could go deeper and see, like, at what point do you draw the line when you're evangelizing? But to start it off, yeah, I agree with Mark, you know, everyone should be reached. Right. Yeah. Right.
2: Um, Yeah. I guess uh, what I was thinking of is is in that question that was asked, it uses the example of Jesus with the the tax collectors and the prostitutes. And so, I want to briefly share what that actual story was in the Bible and look at what kind of went on around it. So... um, you can look at it in a couple, I think Luke 5 is the best uh, version of the story, but Jesus goes to uh, Matthew, right, when he was still a tax collector. Long story short, he says, hey, follow me, and Matthew says, sure. Um, So after that happens, Matthew has this dinner party, basically, at his house, and at this party, you have tax collectors and prostitutes and a couple other, you know, sinner— people show up to this event as well as some of the other disciples who had already been following Jesus, as well as the Pharisees, right? And at this, and and I'll come back to Matthew in a bit, but at this party, right, or this dinner, the Pharisees are there and they look and they see these otherwise degenerate people here with Jesus and he says how could this, you know, self-proclaimed teacher be sitting with these sinners, these people who are the outcast of our society. Um, And it's during this dinner that Jesus shares the parable of the lost sheep, right? He says, if you have a hundred sheep and one wanders away, as the good shepherd, you leave your 99 to go get the one, which in of itself is a picture of Jesus's uh, care for these lost sheep. But he then goes on to say this, um, and this is obviously a very famous verse. He says, those who are well... Have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so we see in this moment, Jesus basically summarizes not only his entire mission on earth, but in this one moment, why he's sitting here with these people is that, you know, Jesus didn't come to go to those who already had everything together. You know, Jesus at no point ever preached to John the Baptist, right? There's no point where he went to him and just sat with John and said, Hey, let me tell you everything you didn't know because John already knew. John already had the the faith and the grace to the point where he was the one that baptized Jesus, right? So Jesus spent his time with those who actually needed the time spent with them, right? And that's why he's sitting with the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the sinners. And the same goes for us, is that, you know, we have the same mission in a sense. We're not the physicians, but we're, in a sense, the physician's assistants, right? We're the nurses, we're the, you know, the the people who are helping that doctor do the work. And so our time should be focused on those who are sick, those who need the help, right? Obviously, we help our brothers and sisters, and we spend time with them. But our focus, like I said, is on those who need the help, you know, because somebody has to do it, Somebody has to sit down with those sinners and preach them and help them in their time of need. And if not us, then who, right? Um, But you kind of said, Mark, like you said, where it is matters, right? And in this moment, Jesus is at a dinner party, right? He wasn't going to the tax collecting stands per se and Getting involved with their business, he wasn't going to the prostitutes. I wish he would out, do he that for the state of California. Go to the the, the offices, <laughs> please, Jesus. Right, but, help me out here. <laughs> help me out here, bro. Right, but like you know, he wasn't going to these people at their places of, of sin. In a sense, he was meeting them sort of in this neutral place, right, at this dinner party. And it's kind of like you said, in a more physical, <clears throat> practical way, we need to meet these people in a place that's. I guess not compromising to ourselves Mm. and not feeding into their sin as well. You know, meet them somewhere. Well, it's also the case
0: of people might not be willing to. Oh, I'm not going to go to church, right? And you might be thinking, right? Like maybe your coworker has a second job as like a stripper or something. Like, well, I'm not going to go to the strip club. But what? 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 what, Like, it's just a random example. But it's uh, what do all of us do? What are two of the three of us doing right now? Eating? eating. 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 <laughs> How hard is it to say, you don't want to go to church, I don't want to go to wherever it is, you know. Right. But, hey, you want to grab lunch sometime. Right. What, Like, Eat there are a million, you can, yeah. if you tune out Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, if you tune out the local news, that when they talk about the world news, and if you tune out all the news, you will come to find that our world has a lot more in common We're a lot more harmonious than we think. And you can easily, people, you say, oh, we shouldn't hang out with them. Honestly, but at some point we were like them. Right. And there are stories of, yeah, God drew them back to him or or for the first time. There were also people who they had someone come alongside them or invite them, you know, or do these things for them, and we met them where we're at. Someone met us where we were at. Right. And how are we in turn going to, like, Point the finger. I know it's like somewhat off topic, but like the guy who owed who owed money, right? And he was he gets released of his debt, but then he goes to the, to the, the guy who owes him money. It's a yeah, lot less, yes, yeah. and he starts like going going to town on this guy. Huh. And it's like, what are we doing here? We have been shown mercy, so let's go show mercy to others. Yeah. And Jesus died, and they're gonna pick on him for like. Oh you're hanging out with so and so and some so Well, Jesus obviously didn't die yet but he died to save the very people he hung out with mm-hmm. and most of the time and maybe even all the time unless I'm missing something the people he verbally attacked weren't the prostitutes and weren't some of the, it was the people it was the religious leaders the in Pharisees. the temple it was the Pharisees yeah. and the people who were trying to you do the the money exchange in the in the temple right because he was he got angry more at the people who are distorting God's church. And in today's day and age, we see something like two guys holding hands walking in the church for the first time. Right. And we are more distraught over that than we are the things we say on the actual pulpit. Yeah. Then and I'm not just calling out our church cuz I love our church. I think our church is great. But there are people in this day and age who get so political in their in their biblical views or they they make it Republicans versus Democrats when really it should just be the Bible. Preach the core things in the Bible. You figure out the rest. Who you want to vote for? Mm-hmm. Two people walk in holding hands of the same gender, and then we'll go head over heels about it. My coworker, she is lesbian. She is married to I believe she's married to another lady, um, at our work. And one of them, they did like the the whole medical thing where, you know, I don't I don't know the term, so I don't want to botch it because it'd be funny, and I don't want to botch it. But like they got pre she got impregnated. Right. And so they have a kid, you know, quote unquote, together. She asked me one day, and I've shared this before. If you're a longtime listener, like, well, you know, would your church, like, how would your church react if we, you know, we came to your church? And I gave my answer, and I didn't say out loud, like, I'm not speaking for my church. I'm just saying I'm speaking for me. I didn't say that, but I did say we'd welcome you. And I just said, here's my story. We were outside, and I, I gave like the quick. 45 minute version this is what the church has done for me 45 45 seconds (laughs) the the, the quick 45 minutes the the, the quick 45 you're cut Shane you're cut too no it's just gonna be me now I gave him the quick one minute not necessarily the full testimony but just like what the what my church has helped me with in this time in my time of need and I'm told what it has done what Jesus has done for me she went and said well you know what we went into church. We tried church for the first time like months ago or a year ago at the time of this conversation. Like, And we just felt like we were judged. And and maybe they really were. Maybe they just came in with a slanted view and they were they were like having this big view. Oh, we're just going to be judged. And they come in and someone looks at them, maybe not judgmentally, but they just think that. I mean, it could be a variety of things, but they said they felt judged. Right. And that could be Satan. That could be the church. that Whatever. And they walked out those doors and i said look we'd shake your hand we we'd love on you we we would happily we'd lo- i would love for you guys to come to church now how people in our church would react is a different story and i can't speak for everybody in our church but i said for me i would be happy to see them and i even mentioned you know you know if you guys want to come to church grab some lunch after you know my treat whatever you know so i work Saturdays everybody at another job make it happen 6 days a week you know, And people might think, how are you going to go hang out with them? Well, one, because they need Jesus. And two, I needed Jesus and someone hung out with me. Right. When I fell apart from my time at the church and I moved to Washington, and I only knew the pastor there, what did he do right away? Because he has a full-time job. He set me up with, with a bunch of young adults in the church who would call me throughout the week. Hey, man, we're going to go out and do this. We can come get you if you want to meet us there. And he immediately got me plugged into, now I was super shy when I don't know people, but he got me plugged into people and that forever was a big help in aiding in my recovery. And I would say the same, we need to be there for people and we can go back to how far is too far to hang out with these people. Just if you're reading your Bible and you're praying and you're tuning out the nonsense of the world, the church world, the news world, and you're just tuning in, to what this person is speaking to you. When when my coworker was telling me about what about this church, like what would your church sing, I tuned out what any conservative Christian might say, what progressive Christian might say, I tuned out past, you know, experiences that maybe like I've had that were bad. All I did was just listen. And then when I when they were done talking and they wanted me to give an answer, mm-hmm. then I shared an answer. But I think if we tune out all the garbage around us within the church today and on the news today. Because there is garbage in the church. And we read our Bible and we're praying because the Bible says to be ready. Yeah. And sometimes when I think ready, I think ready to listen. Mm. Ready to have an answer, but ready to hear them out. And don't just assume, oh, they're lesbian. Okay, I got my, my clobber scriptures ready. Once she's done talking, I'm ready. No. Yes. I hear what she's saying. Now, God, give me the wisdom to share what I feel like I need to share. And if it needs to be something type like a blunt type of thing, help me to do it in kindness. And if not, help me to just share my heart. I think that's how you should go about
2: it.
1: Mm-hmm. That's good that you're set. Like, it's just having a level of like sensitivity to people. Because like, I know I'm not going to say who, but uh, Noah talking, talking earlier, yeah, yeah, Noah. <laughs> Sorry, um, an evangelist who says he hasn't like uh, shared the gospel and like years because he says he's not he's not a he's not here for the harvest he's here to sow seeds which I mean it's just is very interesting what his reasons for that and the verses and stuff but I do think there's a level of like like what Mark's saying like we need to be sensitive to each individual because they're different and we shouldn't just use blanket like verses to hammer on them we should share the word of God because it's living and active and it's going to pierce their soul but like there's a point you know where we where we will share that there's a point where we should share the gospel but you can also ask questions and like just get to know what they believe and and help them to be able to express that so that way you can listen and like understand where they're coming from because otherwise you're just like like mark was saying you're not even listening you're just hammering the same thing over and over on the head so right yeah i agree with that
2: yeah um yeah, good stuff. A um, couple more things on my mind. Um, one, kind of speaking to what you said, Mark, about listening to them and whatnot and being sensitive, is, is, is the thought came to me that one thing that obviously set Jesus apart from the Pharisees was that he treated these people like people, right? Whereas the Pharisees saw them as sinners, as outcasts, as less than them, not even worthy of being a part of society, Jesus looked at them as people with lives and value and worth, right? And we see that by his willingness to sit down with them and and talk to them and have conversations with them and go out of his way to reach out to these people, whereas the Pharisees are like, how could you do this, you know? And I I think it's important that we remember that, you know, that these are people. And, you know, we might have been lucky enough to have heard the gospel at some point in our lives, and they might not have been right. Mm-hmm. They might not have had that same chance, and they are as deserving of it as we are or have been, you know. Um, but the other thing I wanted to briefly touch on is because um, the other half of the question submitted was where do we draw the line, right? And I think that is an important question to ask: is at what point do we no longer associate with somebody who is a sinner, or in a sinner in the sense that they're not saved, right? Because we're all mm-hmm. sinners, obviously. Um, and that brings me back to Matthew because obviously before, uh, Matthew started following Jesus, he was a tax collector and tax collecting isn't really a sin per se. Um, you know, some conservatives might say otherwise, but, (laughs) but tax collecting isn't necessarily a sin in itself, but, um, a tax collector in this time was pretty much just as bad as any sin that you could have done in ancient, uh, Israel because you were seen as a traitor to your people you were seen as a sellout to Rome you were you know you were basically not even considered a Jew at that point in time because you were just so you know terrible to the people so it's still a big deal that Jesus would reach out to Matthew um, which makes it all the more amazing that connection but I I think where we draw the line is at, at some point right Somebody crosses from just an acquaintance, a coworker, or a friend to a close friend, uh, uh, a brother and sister, uh, a support, right? Whatever you want to call it. And I think where we draw that line is is that we need a, a circle of people around us, right? People that can help us, that can support us, that we can go to with our issues, that we can you know, keep us accountable. And we don't want those people to be somebody who is not a believer, Who is somebody who can't help us in the way that we might need spiritually, or you know, keep us accountable because they might not even keep themselves accountable in the sense of their lifestyle, let alone care about what we're doing, right? And Jesus does that to a T, right? Because he had his disciples, right, and whenever he needed time to himself, they were there with them, right? They he could fall back on them as much as they relied on him, you know, and the disciples were always there in his close-knit circle, right? Mm -hmm. Even the last moments of his life, at the Last Supper, it was his disciples. There were no tax collectors. There were no sinners there. Not because he didn't care, but because that was a moment just for Jesus, right? You know, it wasn't a time to reach out to people. It was a time for himself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we draw the line, is that not only is it okay, but it's necessary to connect to these people that are outside of the church, but we need to draw that line and say, okay, I can't necessarily build my close circle around these people because they're not, they're not going to be what we need. They shouldn't be the core. Right. They shouldn't be the core. And Mm -hmm. that's not to say that they're not good people. They're not good friends, but it's not what we need as Christians. We need other believers who can understand what we're going through, understand what we're thinking, feeling that can support us by, praying with us, whatever it might be. And that is where Jesus drew that line. And and that's what I love about Matthew is that, you know, Math, or that Jesus was still willing to approach Matthew, even though he was a tax collector. But it wasn't until after Matthew said, I'll follow you, that they became as close as they were. Yeah. Right? And and obviously we don't see Jesus that close with anybody outside of his disciples because they were the ones that were following him. They were the ones yeah. with him. And so I, I guess my point to say is, where do we draw the line? You draw the line at, I guess, your circle, if that makes sense, right? You can be as close as you want with these people, and we should be close with them to a but point where be they're... closer
0: to right, your... Right, to
2: the church, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I guess how you define that line might be different for some people, how close you want to be to somebody. Um, I would say as long as they're not dragging you down and as long as they're not your core, then I think it's okay, right? I, that would be my general... Rule of thumb, right? If they're bringing you down, then you're too close to them. And if they're your core, rather than fellow Christians and fellow believers, then you're probably too close to them. Yeah, and, and um, to oh, I just, that, I don't what? Mean. Just to clarify, right, I'll uh, let you go. Uh, <laughs> is
0: just to clarify right, because I I know what you're saying.
2: Right? Maybe you can say it better. I if you think there's a better way to say it, but
0: I I don't want those people. To th- obviously, our listeners, our 15 listeners, know this, but those people. The, The people who aren't in our circle, it's not like we're we're like a high society. No. It's not like we're in a gated country club and you live off India Boulevard. (laughs) You know, it's 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 not like that. It's
2: It's more like... If they're going to be close to
0: you, you should be closer to the church so you can dive deeper into that friendship with the sinner. Because if you're not really close in in your walk with God, then that sinner will pull you away, even if they don't intentionally mean to, right? Right. So if you are close to the church, then you can spend more time with the sinner because you are stronger in your faith to be able to
2: do so. And it it comes down to what we need, right? So if I'm like, man, I'm just, I'm really struggling with, you know, pornography, whatever. If I went to you guys, you'd be like, oh, okay, let me help you. If I went to a a co-worker or a friend outside, they'd be like, and? And you know what I mean? Like, you don't do it enough. Let me show right, you, like yeah, you know what I mean. So it's, like, blah, blah, blah. it's more like we are dealing with a different set of problems than the world is and because of our faith. It, yeah. And that's why you need that course because you know we just can't get what we need from out there. Go ahead, Shane. So I guess I- <laughs> oh, wait, let me <laughs> interject. Yeah,
1: I have four different No, I have, I have a question. <laughs> sure. Um, so a friend of mine asked, when they were asked this question, this was like a, It was a while ago, it was in speech and debate. It was a similar question. Um, they said you should never have deep relationships with unbelievers. I and, think and that's that a turned lie. that turned me off because I was thinking, well, I agree. Okay, so uh, no, I agree if they're dragging you down. But like, like what? What does that look like? Is basically my question. Well, he is because, because I disagree. I don't think you should avoid meaningful, deep relationships with unbelievers. That's how you reach them. That's one way.
0: I agree do. with your disagree. <laughs> so, let's keep it real. This happens all the time. A married couple, someone they're both non-believers, someone comes to meet Christ. And they start going to church. The husband maybe starts going to church. Wife doesn't want to do anything with church at that time. They're not getting divorced, but she doesn't want anything to do with the church at that time. What? what but they have this deep, maybe they've been married four or five years, they dated two or three years before that. They have this deep relationship. Bible talks you know, when talks about becoming one, like with sex and you're, you're intertwined. So they have this very deep relationship biblically just by being married like that. Are we supposed to not have a close relationship with our wife? Because at that point, how are we reaching them? For Now I'm not saying everyone is in that situation, but how do you reach them and say, Well, I can't be close to you right now because you're not a believer. Now if they're at home getting drunk all the time and you're trying to stay away from that, that's a little different, but I think some even Christian religions would say, oh, well, you shouldn't be married to a non-believer, so you have to get divorced. And and they would go crazy. And there's some even religion, some Christian nomination that say, once you're divorced, you can't get remarried unless you remarry the person you divorced. And they get so into it based off of these deep, meaning relationships that you shouldn't be a part of. Um, I think the the drawing, the line comes down to, do they make you stumble? And if they do... If you have a problem with things at night, parties, having sex, whatever, then hang out with them during the day. Be as close as you want at lunchtime, take them out to eat or whatever. If you have a problem for, for some reason in a certain place or area, hang out with them all you want. Just don't hang out with them in that place or area where you know spiritually it could put you in a compromised position where you might be tempted to fall back in. I don't care how many years you've been sober in pornography or, or drugs or alcohol or codependency or, or some of these things. But anytime you could fall back into those things if you're not careful. So if they're gonna put you in a compromising position, know that ahead of time. Be praying for wisdom. And if you're in a deep relationship with them, you should start to know the ins and outs of I probably shouldn't hang out with them at this time. at this time. You know, or hey we're at a work party and everyone's now on their second or third beer. Okay, this is my time to say, Hey, thank you, I had a great time And quietly exit the room.
1: Irish Mm -hmm. (laughs) exit. My other question. There's two more after this. Uh Oh, Um, you serious? So, so, uh, so there's a pastor out in Jackson. So, he's calling out Tennessee. everybody. So, there is, yeah, there is, okay. So, thank you for this, Pastor, for giving me the opportunity to preach at your uh, church. Nice. hope you never find this episode. <laughs> <thought> too, uh, <laughs> um, no, there is was, was an opportunity uh, through the, I think it's the STM, the School of Theology and Missions Department, for anyone, any of the guys to preach. Not women? Right, not women to preach. Wow. To preach at a, at a, I already have this screen. So I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea if there are any women asked, but um, basically there's like five of us that went out and went to different churches and spoke, and the one that I was sent to was it's called Mount Ararat Church, just okay. a tiny Baptist church. It's It was hilarious. It was great. Great people. It's hilarious. But but the one thing that I disagreed with, um, which I mean... But you were preaching, shit, so how could you
0: disagree with it? Yeah, that? I
1: know, just one thing I disagreed with is the pastor was saying on the way there he was like we're just talking and I forget what, how it came up but he was saying um, that church is for feeding the sheep not for inviting people so they pretty, he said they pretty much never have unbelievers in the church
0: and what would you so, say a minute before they're a what size church?
2: <laughs> they're like very small 20 people
0: there you go
1: people, tiny but um, it just got me thinking like and he brought up, you know, church history, like Polycarp and the people who were persecuted and, you know, like the Book of Acts and after the Book of Acts and Pentecost. He was saying that that church, they, their daily lives, they would go and share the gospel with their co-workers, you know, whatever, their friends, whereas they would meet together and feed the sheep in the in the in their church in their body. So, but so when do they become the sheep? So he said, "It's a good point." So <laughs> he's saying that there's like a process for people, like you, you know, you can't have communion until you're saved. You can't be, you know, you know all the all the process that you have to go through to become a member of the church. And I was just wondering what you guys thought about that because, well, like, that guy
0: has a twenty-person church. So what does his opinion matter? <laughs> it's a good, it's a, it's a good point. <laughs> Not really. I don't, my my thing is this. Um, so basically, then, you can't invite people to church.
1: Well, like, my dad started a, a home group for his, his co-worker friends at our house, like, every Thursday. We haven't had it every Thursday. But he wants to have unbelievers over that are his close friends, so that way, like, he can talk to them. But is the idea, Because he you know they won't go to church. But
0: is the, that's fine. Yeah. But the idea here is... If we say, oh, you can't come to church, basically, because you're not a believer, Mm -hmm. you know, that's why we're talking to you outside the church. That's under the assumption, one, they won't want to come to church, which there are some that won't. Also under the assumption that some of these Christian churches, which there are some, that say, well, it's for the believers, like you said. Well then, so what if they want to, they're like, I'm not sure about Jesus, but I want to check out your church and see what it's about. Well, by that standard, they'd say, well, no, you have to get saved outside the church because this is for the believers inside the church. But there are people who are curious. And how many people, right. how many stories are there out there even after Bible times in our own life where people got saved in a church service? Yeah. Did everyone get saved at the park? Did everyone get saved at Pizza Hut when they had the one next to my apartment in Palm Desert that was tight because it was, was open great. till like 1 a.m.? That was great. It was a lifesaver. Yeah. Um, but did did everyone get saved at all these outside places? I hope they did. Sure, there are plenty of stories people who got saved inside the church. You know what I mean. So because of that, to say, oh well, you know, we the, the church is for the believers. Honestly, you, the church isn't just a building. Okay, what we're doing right now, we could say we're having a podcast style Bible study. Yeah, you know, we're doing these things. How you have church, you know, isn't as important as just having church with other people. And we can say no, it has to be done a certain way. Yeah, and if you want to be that specific, let's go back to Bible times. Let's meet in houses. Let's meet in, in communities. Let's meet in places where we might not have air conditioning, where we where we don't have where we don't have projector screens, where we don't oh, have. Shit monitors and the only thing we had was acapella hymns and, and psalms and singing joyous making a joyous noise together with no band you know I, I heard it said like if there was no if there was no live worship team if there was no projector screen if there was no you know cool giveaways if there was no special events after the service with with taco trucks and things like that. And if the only thing you had was one person, maybe on a little stage, with their Bible open. Preaching or talking about God or having a Bible study for 30 minutes to an hour every Sunday. And in between you gave you gave tithes to help build missions and things like that. Would people still come? Right. Or do they need... These cool events. And these these events, hey, it's great. We did the thing on Halloween or the trunk or treat. And we we saw a few people come from that. It was great. There's nothing wrong with that. But if all we had was just the Bible and someone maybe that felt led to, to, to speak on a weekly basis or take turns and all we had was the Bible and a few people in a room, would the church still come? Or would they go down the street where there's air conditioning, Four songs, you know, uh, a message, tithes and offering, and their kids run out of the children's ministry room, you know. Like, but if all we had was the Bible, yeah, would people still come? And to me, it gets down to, do you say with sinners, tax collectors, all these different people, and they still came. And back in there, they didn't have all the cool projector screens. They didn't have any of that. They didn't have Bibles, so and this they is, had to
1: pay attention to when they were reading.
0: And the, going uh, back to that, where it says here, um, Jesus as Jesus sat at the table in the house. Then behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. that. Yeah. Many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him. The context suggests that this was a gathering of Matthew's friends and former business associates. We might say that Jesus took advantage of Matthew's decision to also reach those to whom he knew. In noting that there were many tax collectors and sinners, um, this was not a private home, but in a public hall. And that in, in any case, it was a great affair, scores, possibly hundreds present, too large for a room in a house. But the thing but the thing I really like about all this is not just the idea that maybe it was a lot of Matthew's friends because in the beginning, we invited Matthew and, in, but many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him. And if we are living a life that is obedient to God and His Word and living it out, then it won't be too hard because the sinners will be coming to us and talking to us and not about it. Not about their, like, to get us to come to them, right. but to want to know about us. Why do we live this way? When my co-worker blindsided me and talked to me about, what would your church, blah, 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 blah. Because she saw the life I was living. And she was intrigued enough by how I worked at my work, what great attitude I had, and how I lived my life. And also knew I proclaimed to be a Christian. She was drawn to that. And that's not me. That's not some some mysterious power or mysterious odor, even though I have mysterious odors all the time. (laughs) But it was the fact that I was doing my job as a Christian. I'm not saying, look at me. But the church did its job, evangelism would be a lot easier because the people around us would really want to know why we're living this way because our lives are, are, even in the hard times, like, how are you getting through this? They're seeing parts of our life. And how we're responding to them, and that makes them curious.
1: So, what does the church need to do then to do its job?
0: Better equip, better equip people. Mm-hmm. But I think that comes down to a daily basis, because you, we have two main preachers at our church, both in depth. By if you compare to other church standards, but like my dad is head pastor, super deep. People might even lean in and say, "Great information." for the believer to use, equip. My brother, by other church stands, is still super deep. But compared to my dad, he has a lot more funny stories, a lot more heartfelt oh, stuff. God. He'll give you some Greek, he'll give you some Hebrew. But he's more the if someone came in for the first time a non believer, he might mm-hmm. they might be more attracted to his preaching. Mm-hmm. But needless to say, you can as long as you're preaching the Bible in church, great. But the real equipping is on a day-to-day basis. Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Also, when people express interest in doing ministry outside of just what we're all called to do, my dad will start talking to more. Shout out to Big Country Albert. I know he's going to listen to hey. this. He has felt the call to do more ministry, maybe even go into ministry. What a legend. So my dad, for a while, would meet with him once a week, and they would talk the Bible, and they would discuss. Yeah, that's equipping. Yeah, it's so, equipping people to do that. Now, not everyone's called to full time ministry, but we can still equip them in the Sunday services
1: okay. to reach people. So wait, so I just wanted to clarify one thing. So, when it like to tie it back to the, like, the church should look like you believe the church should look like a hospital. Do you believe that? Yeah. No. Do you believe the church should look like a hospital with sick people in it? More or less. To okay. An extent. So let me read you this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says. A church should be a camp of soldiers, not a hospital of invalids. <laughs> Very interesting. No,
0: because here's the thing the church should look like a hospital because the hospital has people, has doctors, medical professionals in it who are, in, who are who is also in there. The people they're treating, the sick, the hurt, the broken. We who work at the church, we who serve at the church, mm-hmm. we, we are like the doctors, we are like the nurses. Yeah. Do those people still get sick? Do doctors get sick? Of course they get sick. They're doctors. We're but, humans.
1: But he's emphasizing that it should be more about training and equipping, like you said. No. Versus. A, no. a hospital of no. sick, sick, invalids. <laughs> if
0: you are preaching the gospel in your sermons, when someone is sitting in there, God can move. Regardless, doesn't matter. But the doctor gets sick as well, and if we're like, just because. Like, my dad's the pastor. doesn't mean he goes through things. A few Wednesdays ago, he said this was one of the hardest years of his life. That's not speaking rumors. He said that on the pulpit. But we are also a room full of sinners. And at one point, we were sick too. But God is training up the sick into making them healthy, whole, and training them in a spiritual sense to be those Christian doctors to help reach people. For the sick, it's so, like he's training up the, even the soldiers. There was medical people who were soldiers in the army, who were the, who was the the medical doctor yeah, in the army, in yeah, the medics, and they were still a soldier, but oh. they were helping heal the sick.
1: So you mentioned Albert being trained and like equipped, and then I also had a question for Noah too. But <laughs> um, so like, would it look like us as like the church globally, or the church in the nation globally, like offering? training like i know a friend of mine he's a junior at union university and he's he wants he's admit he's a missions major but he wants to be a like a training missionaries to go out he doesn't want to go on missions he wants to train people okay interesting it's like how do you have
0: that experience to to tell people
1: so maybe maybe he's gonna go on missions and then figure it out i don't know but that was like okay it's interesting like Maybe we need to offer more things like services to people. I'm just like, like well, how would we? How do we equip? And I was going to ask Noah if you also agree with that, like that it should be more emphasis on a hospital versus, like CH, CH Spurgeon said, a band of soldiers. Versus the, <laughs> yeah.
2: So what well, do you think? The, about the that? thought that came to my mind was for what three years right? The disciples were with Jesus. Hmm. And for three years, they kept asking questions. They kept failing to understand what Jesus was there for. They kept saying, who are you? You know, Time and time again. And it wasn't until after the fact, when they received the Holy Spirit, that they went out and evangelized to thousands, right? And, yeah, there's some training in terms of how to speak or, you know, learning the Bible more deeply. But, at the end of the day what it took for the disciples wasn't three years with jesus it was the holy spirit the power that came with it and that spiritual knowledge that they just failed to grasp from simply learning and that's not to undermine the importance of that relationship with jesus because that's very valuable in its own right but if we're talking about equipping and training i mean a lot of it just comes down to you know the power of the holy spirit and, Mm -hmm. and you know accepting that it's not our own efforts and strengths that make us great soldiers or missionaries or whatever. It's the power that we don't have that makes us, you know, the great evangelists and missionaries and soldiers. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, what kind of almost bringing it back full circle is what are we to do today? It's, you know, obviously maintain our relationship with Christ, but just be decent people to those around us, right? Treat them like humans, you know, be willing to sit with them and talk with them. And that's and a, big them. And a big today. deal with what's going on today. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, it's true. obviously, you know, today the world is very divisive. It's easy to draw lines in the sand and say, well, you're on that side, so I can't even look at you because you're, yeah. you know, you think something differently, you look something different than I do, you, whatever the case is, And even in the time of Jesus, that was a big issue, and it's still true today. And so I think, you know, what we can do is continue to seek God to get the Spirit, to get that power, and just be good people who are willing to sit with those who are sinners or different and, you know, trust that God will take care of the rest from that point, you know, because it is ultimately on Him to do the saving work. We just kind of. I guess he uses the Man- seed, us. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know he's the one that grows it and does all the the hard work.
1: <laughs> so you just jog something in my memory. Ooh, jogging, of mine, yeah.
2: <laughs> memory. Don't
1: don't 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 jog too hard. Mm. In yeah. See, <laughs> I had to drink some water. Good. He said, I know, "Is this guy okay? I love this guy.
2: <laughs> he's a great guy. He might be
1: my roommate next Ooh, year. Nice." But he said. I'm, I'm just, just going to say it. He said...
0: He's calling yeah. everybody knows. <laughs> yeah.
1: When Christ said um, to disciple the nations, he said because it mean, because it says nations, it also means political. Like you're discipling the nations, so like you're trying to promote and proclaim Christian political views, which is going to set <laughs> this man off right it's to my s- left. Uh, we're at 52 so, minutes, so, so I won't. I won't. <laughs> so literally, like he... Any, anyway, I just wanted to say that because I was wondering, how would you respond to that? Because I I disagree. Like, yeah, what the context of that was saying is not political because. Jesus didn't come to like politically rule and you know be the political Messiah like the Jews believe now. That's what Judas. Like, that's what Judas wanted. Them to yeah, do, right? that's yeah. what Ben Shapiro thinks today. <laughs> he thinks there's a political hero who's going to come in as a warrior and take over the world. Yeah. So like, yeah, they thought it
0: was Trump and he failed.
1: <laughs> yeah, they thought it was Trump. So, so, so um, my question is, how would you respond to that? Because he's saying, from his opinion, he's very involved and he loves politics. He's very conservative. It's um, very conservative out there in Tennessee um, at the school, so I'm just wondering what you think about that.
0: So, can a Christian be a politician? Yes. Can a politician be a Christian? No, not again. Yes, <laughs> they can be. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But when you take the two, you know, like we watch politics, we read up on it. That's great, but when you take what you read and watch, and you study, even if you try to give a fair and balanced view, fair and balanced, who says that, Fox News, who cares, but the moment you take that and you put it on the pulpit, that's where I have an issue. Jesus hung out with the sinners and the tax collectors regardless of the political views of the day, regardless of what the leaders of the day thought. He did not care, because he saw what was more important. And the gospel is more important in 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 teaching it and showing it and 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 sharing it with the unbeliever than it is if you think it's politically correct or not. Mm-hmm. It is more important for me to stand on the street corner talking to that prostitute about Jesus than it is uh, what are other people gonna think if they see me doing that. Right. It is more important for me to have lunch with with my with my lesbian with my two lesbian co-workers, advocate is more important for me to have lunch with them, be there for them, pay for their lunch because you don't want to be a jerk, and love on them, than it is my thoughts and opinions on well what's what are certain people going to think? Who cares what certain people think? They need Jesus, and Jesus is the only opinion I care about, and He cares about them, so I need to care for them, yeah. and I'm not going to do it in a political way. I'm not going to. Try to do something like, oh, I'm a conservative Christian, and this is what the Bible... No. I am a Christian first. Politically, I might have conservative values. Some people don't. That's fine. But I am a Christian first. Mm -hmm. And how many people today, in this day and age, say, oh, I'm a conservative Christian? Or I'm a progressive Christian? No. It really, and it probably is true for them, but for me, I am a Christian first. My political values come second. I could care less if you call yourself a Christian and you claim to be Democrat. I could care less. All I'm going to do is show the love of Christ regardless of what people in the political landscape thinks of me. And I'm going to be blunt. I'm going to be real. I'm going to show kindness. I'm going to love on them. And I'll realistically be more harsh to the the believers who get on me than I will be harsh to the non-believer who I'm trying to reach.
1: Yeah. And I'm just like wondering, you know, my friend would he prioritize like i'm i believe in pro i'm pro-life and i'm very passionate about that and i would totally speak about that but it's like a matter of priority you're going to prioritize would you prioritize saving lives like literally and that's great that shouldn't be low on the list of priorities like speaking out at like an abortion clinic or planned parenthood outside of that i know my sister's been involved in it i've not been involved as much as I'd like to, but there's like a club, they go out and they speak out in, in the Planned Parenthoods in front of them. But like, are you going to prioritize that above sharing the gospel with people and saving people's spirits? The gospel can, you can save
0: those people from doing that by preaching the gospel. Yeah, verse and foremost. it's
1: like you can save all these lives, you know, like the babies that could live, but but like... Then after that, is that it? Like, they're just going to live in then For future generations, if you continuously spiritual...
0: preach the gospel, those people over time will get saved and society can start to change. But when you take the political issues that you think are in the Bible, which political life stuff is, but you make that the priority, and you take something in the Bible that's also political, and your main motivation is political, you won't see the ultimate change. You got your fingers up, Noah. Yeah. Let's, um, let's do the final thoughts here. Cause we're well, I, I want to
2: say one last thing on on this Two topic parts. of of what we're talking about, and then we can do closing thoughts. Two forty five. Um, the what came to my mind was the story of Jonah uh, when when talking about you know the political boundaries and and reaching people and things like that. Um, because obviously, in the story of Jonah, he's tasked to go to Nineveh, and he runs away, and eventually, after a series of events, decides to go back to Nineveh and preach to them, right? And so after this happens, right, in verse 4, chapter 1, it says, but to Jonah this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. This is after Nineveh repented, the whole city repented. And Jonah's like, this is wrong, and I'm angry, right? And he says, um, he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious And compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Basically, what Jonah says is, I didn't want to go to Nineveh because I knew you would save them. Mm -hmm. Because Jonah hated the Ninevites. Rightly so, the Ninevites were enemies of Israel. They were constantly at war. They probably killed people Jonah knew. right? Jonah had no reason to see these people saved. Right. It, it would be a far more extreme example of what Republicans and Democrats are like today. Right. I mean, this was far worse than what we have today. But, you know, it's that idea. And he said, I would rather die than to have to see these people get saved. I mean, that's pretty mm-hmm. extreme. Right. Like that's Jonah like the most hated extreme. these people mm-hmm. and even said, outright, like I knew you would save these people. I knew you would be gracious enough to save them. That's why I didn't want to go. Um, and later on at the end this is what God says after a series of events where he tries to show Jonah his faults. He says, "Um, You have become concerned about this plant, which God grew and then took away, that you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people? Right. And so God's like, you know, you got angry over this plant that grew and die that you have nothing to do with, shouldn't I be so much more concerned about a 100,000 people that I created with my own hands, right? And we're sitting here today like, oh, I don't like this person because they're a Democrat or Republican. Or because or their name's or, Noah. Or, right, because their name's Mark. No. Or because of their sexual orientation or because of whatever. And And God's sitting in heaven like, I made these people, right? Like this is my creation and you're going to sit there and tell me you don't want to reach them because you don't like who they are or how they act. You know what I mean? Like, it's so incredibly, I don't know what the word would be, selfish, idiotic, like, yeah. crazy that we would be there. And we might not be as extreme as Jonah. We're like, I would rather die than talk to a Democrat. But, you know, sometimes... Or right, or But sometimes yeah. we feel that way. We're like, I don't want to talk to them. Like, I'd rather run the other way than have to go to that place or that person. But Jesus was the perfect example of what Jonah was not, which was... Mm. I am going to not just avoid these people, I'm going to actively make my way into these communities, into these groups of people, You know, not becoming one of them, but inserting himself there. And, and obviously, like we see with Jonah, Nineveh was saved. 120,000 people were saved because of one man's ability to be there, even though he didn't want to be there, even though he hated these people. God still moved and still saved this entire city, right? How much more could we do if we actually wanted to reach people and actually wanted to be a part of these people's lives and reach them, you know? Mm -hmm. So I guess that's my closing thoughts, kind of bringing it back to the original question. You know, just follow the example of Jesus, right? Look at who Jesus talked to, how he talked to them, and how he, you know, retreated from that and spent time for himself, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we can't go wrong following the example of Jesus at any point. So when in doubt, just say, "Okay, how did Jesus do this? What would Jesus do?" (laughs) Right? Like, how did he, how did he handle these situations? Right? How did he talk to the Pharisees? How did he talk to, you know, other sinners when he was around? How did he handle these situations? You know, and just follow that example because, again, with the example of Jonah, God cares about these people so much more than we can ever imagine. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I, I can't even begin to fathom. How he would feel towards something he created, mm-hmm. let alone how we feel towards people. You know what I mean? Like, think of your favorite person and times that by twenty. That's how God feels. You know, I wouldn't
0: go times twenty. I would go like times
2: probably way more times a million. Yeah, <laughs> right. So I, I guess keep that back in mind and and, <laughs> and remember that Jesus had that same oh, care man. for these people, right? That Jesus looked at that pe- people around him with that same level of care. And the question is, how do we? establish that same level of care for these people. And that, I think, is the answer to the question of, you know, should we be sitting with sinners and eating with them? How do we do whatever it's like? You know, how do we look at them the way God looks at them? Yeah. You know, and in turn, start to figure out the rest from there.
1: My final so, thought oh, wait, would be adding on... Can no. I ask you a question so you could answer it in your final part? <laughs> no. As, as an application, how, how sure. would you... Apply Cause it? Because I know your coworker initiated that. She asked you the question, how do we initiate it? Because we can be waiting for, my dad's been waiting for years with like some of his close friends and he's just now after he had COVID and he felt like he almost died. Like he was so bad with COVID back in, um, back in August. Um, he was like, I'm going through my life, passing up so many opportunities because his coworkers are you know, listening to him, they're his friend, and he's being a light to them. But he's he he's initiating it now. How would you guys initiate it if like you have ways that you do that? Well, because I then was all I was actually gonna yeah. bring that up. Oh. So well, oh, really, yeah. Um,
0: well, first off, <coughs> uh, when it comes to you? when it comes to that type of thing, uh, well, my first final thought is this guy Chain's gonna have like <laughs> first final diabetes after this. He had like fifty pieces of candy um yeah uh, don't we, we, know, don't, know, we don't, we don't like that okay um last time we read this guy how's he how's he even gonna eat i don't <laughs> know? know so basically my thing is first off we should always be constantly in prayer reading our bible and we know we say that's worth it but that's how you draw closer to god yeah and he's the one who gives us the ultimate wisdom on how to go about things right secondly people wait too long or they're waiting to hear from god yeah, there is a period sometimes where you need to wait. But with that being said, um, sometimes we don't pull the trigger nearly enough. Right. Not even close to it. We wait too long. Now I get it. If they're like really, really have a really, really bad cold, and you know nothing mm-hmm. like they're gonna die, but and they're having a bad day on top of that. I don't know if it's always the best time to be like, hey, do you know about Jesus Christ? Well, when they're just
2: mm-hmm.
0: having a pissed off day, but. There is a time and place for everything, but I think we think, God, show me, give me that moment, give me that moment. get That moment is happening every day, Yeah. but that moment will never be a good moment, like with your coworkers, if you're a douchebag coworker. Yeah. That moment will never be a good moment if you keep getting that same waitress, but you tip zero, which by the way, any place you go that, that involves a tip, you, um, if you can't afford to tip, then don't go. Can
2: I say a quick side note? I saw a picture on Reddit. Um, it was like a folded piece of paper that looked like a $20 bill. But when you opened it up, it was just like basically a track. Oh, and I F was like, that, dude. Like, that. how are you going to evangelize to somebody by faking a $20 tip and then not leaving anything? F that, So dude. to speak to your point, always leave money. If yeah. you want to leave something like God loves you, great, but leave them some money too. Like one, time, <laughs> one time we had this
0: waitress. Who we just so happened to get me and my dad and me and some various people, but I was always I always had her. Yeah. So one time, um, I paid for everyone's meal, whoever I was with, and I had her a few times, and I had extra cash on me, so I tipped like probably a good forty bucks. Right. Now for me, that you know, it, but, but but but, <laughs> but they, they like that. Yeah. But then below that, I just I just put, thank you for the great service. Jesus loves you. And then I put my favorite verse, Psalms thirty-two, ten. 10. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Amen. 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 Let's get it. <laughs> so, but to, to take those opportunities with your coworkers, with the people you see every day, you just got to pull the trigger. Yeah. If you are a strong Christian, because there are stories where people, sometimes people are like, I was waiting for you to invite me. You can say, well, why didn't you just ask to come? Well. It, we, need it like, we, we need to do our job we need to do our job and if we are doing our job along the way people will come to us yeah. we won't always have to go to everybody because if we're living our life in such a way that's spirit filled people are going to be drawn to us yeah. and if they are drawn to us then we don't even have to go about how are we going to start that conversation they already started it for us
2: right.
0: and there are people who you might see an opportunity where you have to take the step to do that that's great but there are also, if you're living that life where you're always ready, and it doesn't mean you know everything, right. but you're learning and constantly growing with God, then there will be times where God uses you, where He sends someone your way to talk to. And then there will be times where you're hearing from the Lord, and He and uh, He ha- tells you to go talk to someone. There might be days where you don't hear anything, like, a, like an audible voice from the Lord. We're still called to evangelize and tell people. Right. Why is it you have people at churches where they're like, Oh, once a month we got an evangelized and they hit the streets of their church neighborhood and, and they tell people about Jesus. But then in the day like, okay God, give me wisdom on when on how I should talk to my coworker, or how I should talk to my husband, or how I should talk to my you know, mom or dad about Jesus. It's like so you're willing to go out to the streets and talk to strangers. Yeah. You know, like like evangelism, but now you need wisdom on how to talk to your family about it. Like we should just always be ready. And I know that sounds silly or like it's easier said than done, but if you're reading your Bible, you're praying And you don't need 20 million scriptures to pop up in your head. Share your story. Share your testimony. The 45 second version, not the 45 minute version. Yeah, please. Just share, hey, uh, let me tell you something. This is where I was before I, I met God. This is the moment or time frame per se where I met God and I felt something different. This is how I live now. I used to have this in my life, but God delivered me from that. No testimony is boring or, or mine just, I don't want to share because, you know, my testimony's lame. No. Just share what Jesus has done for you. Your anxiety, your codependency, your self-worth, your drug addiction, your alcohol addiction, pornography addiction, your sex addiction. Maybe um, just these suicidal thoughts, these mental health issues, this loneliness, and what God has done for your life, just share honestly and openly. And you'd be surprised to hear how many people are going through things. They just don't want to share it with people. And you sharing that with them, you know, can do something. Pull the trigger, people. If you're hearing this, even just send a text. Sometimes I send texts to people like, hey, how's life going? Just the people I haven't talked to in a while, some of which don't go to church or aren't really believers. Hey, how's it going? Just to kind of like a... Uh, and they don't always expect it, cause it's such a busy world. They got their core group of friends, mm-hmm. and they got coworkers. But they just hear something say, "Hey, how's your day going? Hey, how's life? You know?" And and that can really make a difference for someone. I tell my bosses from time to time. We have a, a small group text, me and the, my two bosses. And when they say they're going to do something, it's like you know, you know, hey guys, you know, I'm sorry to hear you're going through this. I'll be praying for you. It's these little things that you know what will make a big difference in the long run. And when they show when you show yourself to be that solid Christian in the workplace or in that sphere of, of whoever you're trying to reach, they'll be more open to hearing it. Right. But it but if you're a douchebag, then they're not gonna want to hear it. And yeah. you can say, Well, I'm trying to reach them. Well get your faith together first. Whenever you go to like recovery meetings or you know they tell you to work on yourself first Whenever you go on an airplane and there's, there's some emergency happening, what do they do? They tell you to put on the stuff on yourself first and then help right. the person or the kid next to you, right? Get yourself right with God first, and by doing so, everything else will fall into place. That's right. my 10-minute final thought. Shane, okay, close it out.
1: Yeah, I think my final thought is kind of summarized by, like, lately God's put on my heart... Um, that life is short and like we we're talking well, maybe for earlier. you yeah like, <laughs> we were talking about earlier keith green died in a plane crash and he was 28 like yeah we don't have any like tomorrow is not guaranteed for any of us and so just going to college kind of helped me see that my life is starting to speed up more and like i feel like time is going by quicker i can and see I realized, it on your facial yeah i realized <laughs> that um i'm passing up opportunities if i'm just going through the motions thinking like what am i going to do in the future what's my right. career lord what is my calling you know i can i can ask those questions but i also need to realize that i should live in the moment and so my advice to whoever is like for example at the habit i'm working right now there's a couple of coworkers. one of them i'm, I'm trying to like ask questions to him and like um we just have random conversations while we're doing dishes in the back and dicing tomatoes. Nice. One time we were just talking about... You I, I didn't like the tomato yeah. on my burger the other day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was think I was scooping out avocado and making guacamole in the back, Ooh. and he was doing dishes, and we were talking about uh, ranking the Dis- top 10 Disney movies or something. Nice. And then after a while, I was silent, and he was like, I forgot you were here. You're so quiet. And so then I was like, all right, I have an important question what is the meaning of life? And he said, I think the meaning of life is repopulating the earth. And um, he said, getting married and getting money. And so I was like, oh, okay. I'm game. Is that it? I was like, is that really getting money? We're just, I was like, I was like, bro, I'm here. We're just both here. He just put in his two weeks notice. He doesn't want to work there anymore. And I was like, I'm going back to college and we're going to have like a couple more weeks. Is this it? Like, We're just living life. We're just getting money and that's it. And then he was like, yeah. And then I said, what do you think happens after we die? And he says, um, he said, I think we go into like a dream state where we, he said something like we don't, we won't realize that we're dead, like, like a dream or something like that. So he basically said, he was like, nothing happens after that. Right. And so when I asked him that, he said, that's the scariest question that he's ever asked himself is What happens after he dies? And so, I've just kind of been praying about, you know, God's going to hopefully give me an opportunity to reach out to him. And I'm just trying to ask questions and be his friend first. Because, like Brett says, people won't care to listen until they see that you care. So, so basically, my advice is to myself, Shane, don't, you know, wait until it's too late. You've passed up opportunities before. So get your act together but yeah that's my final thought
0: good this is Brokenness of Faith podcast thank you guys for listening you probably chopped it up into a few sit downs or, or <laughs> whenever you're listening thank you guys for listening so much if you got questions comments concerns topics you want to talk about if you know our number you can text us personally or you can email us at brokenness to faith at gmail.com thank you guys for listening use it